Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Justin Strong and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show. He's running up that hill, Ryan Nelson. Justin, I'm glad Murray had sparred with nearly 16-year-old Jeremiah. <laughs> because who knows what would have happened? Yes, who knows? Because Yuri was no match for for Murray's skills. <laughs> no, he was not. He was not. I, I can't wait to talk about that part of the part of this show. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely also, get to that. Also, uh, give me the Murray Dojo spinoff. They're talking yes. about spinoffs. <laughs> a, Murray, <laughs> a Murray Dojo would be great. I would, I would 100% watch that any day of the week. So uh, if you have been listening to the podcast since we started back in January, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed it as we talk about episodes four through six of Netflix's Stranger Things. If you are new or regular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a three, five, ten, or $20 level. When you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. And just to let our patrons know, we will get back to recording Patreon episodes next week. We're doing three regular episodes this week, so we're taking a little bit of a break from it. Uh, but we'll get back to our patron-only uh, episodes next week so you guys can have something to look forward to. Uh, if you can't be a patron, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review if you listen to the show through Apple Podcasts. If you do write us a review, we'll read it on air next time we record. Both of those things go a long, long way in getting the podcast into the ears of new listeners. All right, so we are talking about episodes four through six. We are breaking this down into two shows for these last four episodes of volume one. Uh, episode seven is basically a feature-length film for the most part, so we're, we're, we're saving it by, by itself. Uh, but we're doing episodes four through six now, and we'll do episode seven a little bit later this week. But just in general, we both had this that we were both really liking the first three. Where are you after watching the first six episodes? Oh, man. Even better. Episode better. four might be the best of the series. Oh, yeah. It might be the best. Yeah, it might be the best of the series. I, I Look, I texted you this after I watched episode four at some point. I don't remember when it was. But episode four might be one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. I mean, it yeah, was yeah. it was so good. Uh, it and was. Look, and the rest of them are good, too. But that one, we'll, we'll talk, obviously, quite a bit about it. But it was just really, really good. Um, uh, I was once I've because I, I watched the first three episodes. I did not watch any of it after until I, we got done recording. I don't remember what day it was. I think it was on like maybe that Tuesday or Wednesday after uh, we recorded. Where I, I went ahead and turned it on. I was like, I'll, I'll watch one or two, and I'll try to finish it up before I go on vacation. 
And as soon as episode four is like, nope, I'm finishing this tonight. I was up to like 1.30 that morning. Yeah, I was about to say, I woke up and I saw tweets from you like at <laughs> one, one, two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh man, he did a binge. I did. I, I was like, I'm watching this. Yep, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to, I'm not about to go to sleep after watching that. So, uh, and look, I, I kind of even thought that after like episode, after episode four, I was like, okay, well, I'll just go one more. And then episode five is like, nope, need to watch the next one. Like, oh, heck, I'll just go with this whole thing. <laughs> so, and they, and they really could have ended volume one after four, and you would have been happy. Yeah, you would have been. You you would have been absolutely happy. That would have been a really good place to stop, too. So, yeah. uh, but they didn't. We'll actually probably end up talking a little bit about the Netflix model and all that stuff at some point during this, uh, during this recording. So, uh, but for now, what I want to do just because one of the things that we talked about in our previous discussion of the fourth season of Stranger Things is they had three storylines going. Well, they break off into a fourth storyline as well in, in these. Uh, so I want to kind of discuss it in terms of storylines and not in terms of episodes, because I think it's easier okay. for, for me to wrap my brain around it, when especially when I binge something. It's a lot harder yeah. for me to kind of keep track of where I am with it, and I keep getting a cord stuck in my microphone. Um, all right, so I think I got that fixed now. All right, so I want to save the Hawkins storyline for last because that's by far the most interesting to me i yeah, think you would agree with sure. that absolutely okay. uh, so we'll talk about that at the end which one do you want to start with first do you want to start with the california kids do we want to start with everything going on in russia do we want to start with l where do you want to go well i think russia russia is the worst of probably four five and six uh and then and then the california kids okay so let's start with Russia then. Yeah. Uh, look, and here's the thing. We're about, we, we call it the worst. It's still good. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's still good. But it's like I said, when you have four different competing storylines, they're not competing. They're, they're, I'm sure they're all going to work together and everything's going to come together very nicely at the end of this thing. Uh, but, you know, the, the, when you have four different storylines going in one show, one's going to catch your interest a lot more than the others. And some something's going to just have to be at the bottom. And, I could either I could say either this or the California stuff. Either one, I think those are two by far yeah. the two least interesting. I, I but they're agree, still, but they're still good. <laughs> so let's just go yeah. and say that. Well, and and thank God for Murray has really brought a lot to this. Yes, because uh, you know Hopper until like episode six has only says a couple of words. Yes, know, very little. Uh, thank goodness for Yuri has been good. I feel yes. like we've kind of wasted Wynonna Ryder. I, I like her yeah. and Murray's interaction. It's been fun, but I still think we kind of waste her a little bit, but, uh, and, um, what's the, um, what's the guy from game of Thrones? That's oh, Enzo. Enzo is good too. Yeah. Yeah. What was he in? I, I knew he looked familiar. What was he, what was he playing in, in game of Thrones? He was the he was the man without a face. Oh, that was, that's right. Okay, I'm glad you. I knew the man. Like, the man has no name. The man that has good. no name. Exactly. Okay, I, the mustache threw me off with with him. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I know he looks familiar. Who is that? And the voice was so like he has such mm-hmm. a recognizable voice. I was like, what yeah. is that? And so I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I could not place him. Uh, but yeah, I like Enzo. I, I like Enzo a lot. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and talk about that. You mentioned something and that about this and that is one of those things that you mentioned is david hopper uh does not have any i'm sorry jim hopper david yeah. harbour yeah. i don't like the fact their name that his last name and his character's last name are so similar yeah. uh they are very look they they brought him to russia I'm, I'm sure they have a purpose for it i know it's to tie in to keep this whole russia thing that they had going at in season three kind of going i get all that but 
David Harbour is a talented actor. I love him on screen, but they don't give him a whole lot to do in these rushes. He look, he can act without saying anything. I get that, but just the way that his charisma and stuff doesn't show right. nearly as much when he's actually speaking. When he's just instead of just like brooding on a Russian slave farm for the most part. I mean, right? I mean, this is uh, an actor that oozes charisma. Yes. And when you give him the the stuff to work with and the ability, it's, he's one of the best out there. And four and five, you got nothing, nothing right. of, of 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 his charisma. I mean, you got a little. I guess the the Great Escape was okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was okay. You know that 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 was all right. That was kind of fun. Which how he didn't lose his feet uh, running through <laughs> Siberian snow well, uh, without getting frostbite. Thing. I know. Yeah, but uh, him eating the peanut butter. That was a good scene, but that, that was, was David scene. Harbour. That was mm-hmm. David Harbour, you know, b- doing David Harbour things. But, uh, you know, the only only other scene was, I, and that may have been in seven. I, the, when was the scene where they got drunk? And, that's uh, an episode seven. Got dr- yeah, that's okay, an episode so seven. Never mind. Mm-hmm. So no, no, seven, it, he gets no, no, six. It's in, that, it's in episode six. You're right. That's when- so that scene is his mm-hmm. best scene because, you know, he's getting drunk and he's telling them, you're all dead. Yeah, Might that's as well, when we get, they're fattening you up for the yeah. That's for when the we beast. get Hopper back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that, that's the first real sign of Hopper since since the show began. And like I said, look, it's the, I think they're going to make it all work. I, I have every confidence in the fact that we kind of we finally got to see Hopper in episode six. And when we talk about episode seven, we'll talk about that as well because that's obviously a very important part that plays in episode seven. But. Uh, we've we need hopper being hopper that's just he was such an integral part of the first of the of the first two seasons first three seasons excuse me we need him back and we need him doing what he does and look it doesn't look like we're going to get him back to hawkins at least until the end of this this season uh please please make that happen i I think they'll get him back i think they'll get him back to hawkins but he's obviously they we need him doing hopper type things in Russia, at least while he's there. And we finally start to get that at the end of episode six and it leads into episode seven. Uh, the escape scene you mentioned, this was the most frustrating part of these episodes to me because I've been, I mentioned this when we talked about episodes one through three. I want him back in Hawkins. I, I think he's yeah. best there. And it's like, okay, we're finally going to get him back there. Nope, we're not. Uh, yeah. Yuri betrays everybody. He betrays Enzo. He betrays... Um, uh, Murray, he portrays uh, what's what's uh, her name's character? Uh, Joyce. Joyce. He portrays Joyce. So he's portraying all these people, and he gets locked back up. He's locked up with Enzo now. Uh, like I said, I thought they did. I thought the escape scene was really. I thought the escape scene was good. I loved the yeah. peanut butter. Him dipping his fingers yeah. in the peanut butter. That was fantastic. But I got frustrated when he got captured again. Yeah, and I wanted to mention. I'm not shocked that sean levy directed episode four which had that great action scene and then the yes. stuff mm-hmm. the heartwarming stuff with the kid because as we've seen with the stuff that he makes free guy adam project and other right. stuff he's he's a really good director especially at doing action and heartfelt stuff yeah i thought so too and i didn't even pay attention to that so i'm glad you noticed it because i didn't know i know he directs most of these episodes i don't know if he directs every he, single one of them I don't that's the only one he's done so far. Oh really? Okay. Uh, or, or that's the last one. Uh because okay. the, the the uh the duffers direct the last one. There were two other people uh, okay. on five and six. Okay, well that makes sense too. So uh but yeah, like I said, I, I like this. I like the fact that uh you know 
I love what they're doing with Murray. Murray yeah. has just been a godsend to at least for, for this show, at least because of what they're doing with Hopper and what they're doing with Joyce, because we needed Murray to be with Joyce to kind of carry us through this. Cause I, I don't look, I love Winona Ryder. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. I love her. She's fantastic. But doing this by herself wouldn't have pulled off. And look, normally if you tell me, you know, some like middle-aged man who's, been taking karate i i wouldn't believe it but he this guy i believe it <laughs> yeah he pulled it off didn't he yeah, yeah. he did i mean he absolutely pulled it off they kind of played off as it's going to be this joke but when he actually has to put it into use uh, against yuri it ends up working and you think okay well maybe yuri's just kind of a dumb fighter he doesn't know what he's doing yeah. Uh, and look, I like Yuri. He's I like him in terms of the fact that his character is interesting. But I mean, obviously, he, he's he's a piece of crap. But uh, yeah. uh, but you know, so when he when he like fights Yuri, he takes him down. And Yuri's no match for, for Murray. But right. when, they, when they get to the prison, Murray is just kicking these guards' butts. And like I said, normally I'd be like, okay, this is just that's dumb. But yeah, the way they have portrayed Murray throughout the course of this entire series, not just this season, but in season uh, three as well. Uh, was he in season two too? I can't remember. I, I don't know. I, I, don't I can't remember. remember. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head. But you know, you kind of get the sense that there's a lot to Murray we don't know, and the yeah, fact that we yeah. we know now that he is a black belt in karate and he's very good at it, 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 it doesn't yeah. surprising. Yeah, well, I, I thought it was very funny when he got in preparation for the fight. I was like, oh god. Right. he's going to get killed and then he ended up too. being good i was like wow look at murray yeah. and and uh kudos to the guy who plays him dan is it dan gilman brett, brett gilman brett gilman uh you know he pulls it off i mean he looks at yeah, he does it good uh, so i mean that's that's probably what makes it this uh, the believability of this a little bit easier is the fact that brett gilman you know he he sells it when he when he's doing mm-hmm. it so you know kudos to him and kudos to whoever is choreographing uh these these fight scenes and stuff for him because they they make him look good when he's doing it uh all right so that's basically like i said the first those first two episodes with the russia stuff they're they're not all together that interesting but when we get to episode six and we get the scene where they take the prisoners down they take them to this feast and all the guys are like just in heaven because they're eating all this food and one of the russians that are there says you know i saw what they did that they uh they took 10 men down to this same room and later that night they brought them out and they were killed by this beast in 30 seconds and he's plotting this thing he's like if we stick together we'll be fine there's not gonna be an issue just make sure that we stay together and we'll all survive we'll come out of this thing and the entire time David Harbour as Hopper is just over the corner, kind of just drinking a little bit of vodka. He's not really all that worried. He's uh, he's not eating anything. And he tells him, this is when we get Hopper back. He tells him, look, that, that's not what they're doing. They're not here trying to train this beast. They're, they're trying to just keep the beast entertained. That's all it is. They're fattening us up so that they can so they can give their growing monster the nutrients that he needs. And that's what we are. Uh and, you know, it's just the way that David Harbour delivers that with Enzo translating it as he goes along because the others can't understand yeah. English. Just a great scene. Uh, like I said, it's what we've been waiting for this entire series, this entire season for, from, from David Harbour. And we finally got it. Yeah, it was it was really great. And like like you said, when he ends with uh, eat up, boys, it's your last meal. Yes. I was like, dang. Great line. Great line. <laughs> Absolutely great line from, from David Harbour. Uh, just good stuff from him. And when they come out of this room, David Harbour gets into a fight with Enzo. 
I'm sorry, Hopper gets into a fight with Enzo and Enzo's ticked off at him when they get back to the cells. Like, was it worth it? What, what, that you doing that? And uh, David Harper reveals that, you know, there was a point. I'm sorry, Hopper. I got to remember calling Hopper. Uh, Hopper reveals that, yes, there was a point. He pulls a lighter off of one of the guards. He's got that bottle of vodka and he explains to Enzo, he says, they're called demogorgons. And the, one of the few things there uh, that can hurt them is fire. And so he pulls out that lighter and they both start laughing. And it was just, that's like I said, that was the part where I'm like, finally, we have yeah. Hopper. We've got Hopper back. Right. We're, we're getting in, in his full montage regalia. It's going to be great. Now, I do want to go make sure that we mention that while they're doing this, uh, Joyce and Murray, they're concocted a plan. And it's coming. It, it looks like it's going to come off pretty good that they have given basically Murray Yuri's looking the, the the warden of this prison has never seen Yuri so he doesn't know what he looks like but he's kind of disguised himself as Yuri and they're going to present Yuri and Joyce as the as the prisoners and once again Brett Gilman kudos to him pulls off a great Russian <laughs> he does he does I mean, he really does uh like I said this is the least interesting and I'm having a lot of praise for it. there's some issues with it don't get me wrong but there's a lot of good things that are going on in, in this particular storyline. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he does a good job also where the, the guard is like, I'd heard Yuri was a little crazy and right. Boy, you sure are. Whatever. He says. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're, you're, I don't remember what the line was, but like you're way more than what it was ever. Yeah. So, cause you kind of see uh, Murray kind of like, Oh, has he found me out? Nope. He thinks you're far more off your rocker than, than what he had heard. So, you know, like I said, just Brett Gelman has just been absolutely wonderful in, in mm -hmm. the show. And I love what they have done with his character. Uh, and like I said, it, it goes a little bit further in episode seven, but we're not going to talk about that. But like I said, this first, this first storyline, they don't do a whole lot with it. It's, it's got its issues, but it's still good. I, I still find myself enjoying it, even though I'm still wishing to think it Hopper and Joyce and Murray back to, to Hawkins as soon as possible. Yep. I agree with you on that. All right, so do we want to go to the California kids? Yeah, let's do them. All right, so the California kids, when we talk about them, we're talking about Mike, we're talking about uh, Will, uh, Jonathan, Johnson. and, and Argyle. Argyle. <laughs> we love Thank Argyle. God for Argyle. Yes. Uh, this is this is the one that I don't think it's all that interesting, but I am a little bit intrigued where they go with it, just because – the first two seasons of this show were completely built around the Mike and Will friendship. I mean, that was what carried the show. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you yeah. had the other kids that were part of it. That was what carried them. And we finally start to get a little bit more of the Mike and Will friendship that we didn't get at all in season three. Yeah, they finally have that scene where they make up and, you know, Mike mentions that Hawkins is not the same without him, right. without Will. And they, you know, you finally see them come to grips that they miss each other and they, they need to be back together. Yeah. So that and was that was a good scene. Yeah, it was a good scene. I'm glad that we got that. And I'm also, you know, I thought they were really going to, in the first three episodes, going to really try to make sure that we knew that Will was gay. But I don't think they're doing that. I think they wanted to. No, I don't think so. I yeah. think they want to be more ambiguous. That That is much more obvious in episodes four through seven. Uh, when you watch it, that, this storyline is not even, uh, doesn't even show up in episode seven. Yeah. It's four through yeah. six. Uh, but episodes four through six, it's much more. Look, we talked about this when we talked about hacks a few weeks ago. There is, you know, it used to be that, you know, sexuality and sexual preference and things like that. Way back, you know, 
thirties, forties, and fifties, everybody thought, oh, well, that's what you choose to do. And, you know, you're choosing to do that. And then it turned and it's like, no, it's completely biological who your, who your sexuality and how your preferences are. That's all completely biological. And look, I don't know the, all the science on it, but it seems like there's even more to it than just being biological. It seems like there's, you know, uh, you can, your sexuality, while there is a lot of biological stuff in, involved, it has nature in, you know, nature versus nurture. There's a little bit of both with it. And I think that's what they're trying to show. And that's what they talked a little bit about in Hacks in episode four of that show. And we talked about that as well. And I think they're doing that with Will. I think they're trying to say, you know, we don't know yet. I don't know if he even knows at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, Will may be asexual. We talked about this also the last time because, you know, he lost like two years. Right. So he, you know, I, I don't know what his love for Mike is. It, it could be just, uh, you know, boyhood love. Right. I mean, as as Stand By Me told us, you know, you'll never have friends like you did when you were 12 years old. No, you won't. And that's very true. Now, like I said, I think I like the fact that they're kind of keeping it ambiguous. There's even a, there's an interview I saw with um, Millie Bobby Brown and with Noah Schnapp. And they say they kind of, they basically right now, they want it to be up to the viewers for them to decide for themselves at this point. And so, like I said, I like the fact they're, they're being careful with it. Uh, I did read an article that I did not agree with that said that the fact that they're not being more upfront with Will's sexuality is ruining the work that they did for LGBT, LGBTQT people with Robin, because Robin is a very... She is a prominent gay character in this. But the other thing they have to remember, the only person who knows she's gay in this entire show is is Steve. Uh, Steve. And so, like I said, it's look, it's the 80s. You and I grew up in the 80s. We know what it's right. like. You don't being gay back then was nothing as easy as it is today. I mean, right, it was right. hard. I mean, you, you got made fun of. Uh, you didn't if anybody even uh, joked about you being gay, you, you took it a personally and offensively right uh, so this was a different time so you can't just expect people just to be out and proud gay during this time period because it was hard and like i said yeah. I, I like what they're doing with will when they first even hinted at this possibility in season three so i like what they're doing with it yeah uh, I'm, I'm good with it i'm good with it as well uh one of the things that's interesting is that you know obviously they are being uh they're being watched over by these two. I don't know what they're agents of, but they're some type of agents. I don't know what yeah. government organization they're with, uh, but they're being watched over by these agents because Elle has been taken off to Nevada or Nevada. Excuse me. I don't want to mispronounce it. I know how people in Nevada, they don't like it when you call it Nevada, uh, but they're, she's been taken off to Nevada and you've got Will, Jonathan and Mike. We are being watched over. But they want to get out, obviously. They want to get back to Hawkins. That's one of the things that Will says. He says it wasn't Dr. Uh, what's uh, Bruner uh, Dr. Owens. Dr. Owens, thank you. It wasn't Dr. Owens that saved me. It was you guys that saved me. Uh, so they want to get back to Hawkins, or they want, I'm sorry, they want to get back to L, but they don't know where she is. Uh, and so they their plan is to call to order pizza from Argyle, and Argyle is going to come and get them. Uh, I love Argyle. I, I love Argyle. Argyle's so great. He's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Argyle a plant from like a government because he just happens to be in that town. He's always there when they need him. Could he, could we find out? I mean, obviously the actor is about 30. Right, so yes. could, could we be shocked to find out he's a, you know, an agent? 
if he if he if they do, he plays his part very very well. <laughs> I think that would be kind of fun if he was, it would be especially fun. as much as, as much weed as he's smoking. Yes, exactly. Like I said, I think I don't think they're going to go that route, but it would be interesting if they did. And I think I would. Yeah. I think I would like it if they do. Yeah, uh, I do too. You, you texted me there or told me that when we we got lunch last week, so. I'll be interested in what they do with Argyle. Argyle is just a fun character, but yeah, he is. Uh, uh, when the army basically breaks into their house and uh, kill, well, they don't really kill either one of them at first, uh, but they obviously injure both of the, the agents that are supposed to be watching them. They, they come and, running and I, out. And I love how they named them Punch and John yes, from exactly. the show Chips. <laughs> exactly. Was- one of those great '80s Easter eggs that they yes, keep dropping yes. in here that they do such right. a, that, that they do such a good job of throughout the course of the show. Uh, but they go running out. Argyle's pulling up in his van. He's like, "Oh, you have a party without me, Jonathan?" You that was me. <laughs> like who sees on, black vans <laughs> <laughs> and things party? Yeah, that's true. That's what that is. Uh, but they oh, jump into the, they man, jump Argyle, in. Man. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. So they jump into his van and they've got the injured agent with him uh and they're trying to get him to tell them where l is and all he says is you know it has to do with anita which we assume is a person at the time which is not uh but it has to do with anita he wants to give him a number nina nina, nina i'm sorry no. nina, thank you not not anita nina nina i can't talk tonight uh so we get th- that information but we don't get the number uh and so they're distraught they're trying to figure out how they're going to get the number it turns out it was rolled up in this pen that argyle was trying to draw with and he was getting frustrated because he couldn't draw uh well the guy hands them the pen too yeah he hands as he's dying yeah. right so that's where that's where the number was and once again we get a great 80s easter egg because when they call this number it sounds like a modem, and they're like, "What is that? What is that?" It sounds familiar, but they didn't know what it was because obviously we know what a modem sounds like because we grew up with that. But they didn't. Uh, they think so what they think of those. They think of war games, spectacular yeah. '80s movie with Matthew Broderick. Uh, yes, and that's when it keys them up. That uh, basically informs them that okay, it's a computer they're calling. So who do they go to? They go to Susie. Who? What did you think of Susie in season three? Uh, I thought it was fun addition, especially to see Dustin, who we, you know, he's just kind of a weird kid for him to have a girlfriend that actually exists as well. Yes, so that was a fun because it felt like he was making it up the whole yeah, time. Yeah, that's what they were kind of so, teasing about yeah, the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like I like Susie. Yeah. So they bring Susie back in and the, she was in Utah, correct? Yes, she was in Utah. I'm thinking they don't they don't come out and say it, but they're they're, they're obviously hinting at this is a Mormon family. I mean, it's a large family. Did you get the same? Yeah, very religious. I got I got the same, Bob. Yeah, because it was like twelve kids. Right. Uh, we find out that the dad who was hilarious, uh, how yes, he, he was, was trying to handle, uh, made uh, Susie break up with Dustin because. She changed his Spanish grade, which is, you know, a sin against yes. God. So I thought that was funny. The kids directing yes. the, the movie was, the movie was, was just funny. Yeah. And it, I love when the dad walks through and he was like, the fear in your eyes, dad. Perfect. Perfect. You know? <laughs> so it was like a little Wes Anderson. And then uh, Argyle meeting Eden. Yes. Just mm. like the garden. Uh, yeah, that's right. then, yeah, I can't remember what was the name of the weed he was smoking that uh, Jonathan gave to him because uh, Argyle oh, has a freak out in the, in the desert. It was something fantastic, tropical something. Tropical something. I can't remember what it was. Tropical oh, purple man, was or a, something. I yeah, it something. was something purple. Yeah, but uh, it calmed him down as tropical purple uh, will do. As uh, it will. <laughs> so uh, I, th- I thought I thought that was really funny too because 
you know, uh, Argyle, supposedly, we'll see, not right. used to all this fighting and superheroes and all this stuff. So he was freaking out. So yeah, he's freaking purple, out. Tropical Purple took him down a notch, but he he went to Utah and met the love of his life, uh, the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. Absolutely. Just, yeah, really good stuff. I, I like the fact they bring Susie in. They bring her in in a good spot. Uh, so, I, like I said, I like the fact that, you know, she's a hacker and, you know, people didn't know how to hack back then. So, to, to, yeah. find, to find one and be able to have one available it helps them a whole lot. So, uh, yeah. I like that. And this was the best parks they the california kids were like this was in episode six this was yeah. my most enjoyed i enjoyed argyle anytime he was on yeah, the screen absolutely. but besides that this was the best their whole scene was, was right. when they hit utah with Susie. yeah i saw interesting what they do because they don't show up in episode seven this was i, I yeah. had to go back and look at that i was like wait a minute i don't remember them being in episode seven and they weren't they, they weren't they and were. that's and, and can i be honest i didn't miss them i didn't either <laughs> uh like i said but uh, when we talk about episode seven, I want to talk about so how they, I, what I'm wondering what they're doing with with, the, with this particular storyline, but obviously that will wait for our next episode. So, uh, all right. So that takes us to uh, L. Let's go ahead and talk about L because she actually really doesn't play much of it. I was reading some recaps because it's been, a, been about a week since I last saw this. Actually, it's been longer than that. Uh, she doesn't show up much in episode four at all. Uh, she's very, yeah. She's very, she's in very little. Yeah, uh, she really, she starts to show up in five and six. Yeah, seven is where she has her biggest episode. Yeah, that's where she has her biggest episode. Uh, but basically, you know, one of the things that I praised them for in episode three, I said, you know, Doctor Owens gives her a choice, tells her she can go. She wants to. I think that is true. I think he did give her a choice. But once she's there, she doesn't have a choice anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because when she's walking through this, you know, Doctor Owens is telling him that she is uh, like a superstar there. She's a celebrity because all these scientists are looking at her. And then Dr. Brenner walks out. And this was just kind of a jaw-dropping moment because, correct me if I'm wrong, we thought he was dead, right? Yeah, I think we thought he was dead in the second season. I can't mm-hmm. remember what happened. But, yeah, we thought he had died. And, uh, man, Matthew Modine, really good. Uh, and uh, the, the hair, right. just it makes him even more of a villain, that that sharp gray hair, that haircut he has. And yeah. He was really good. And I actually wrote down, what is up with Bruner? Because he actually comes off as very concerned about her through the whole end of this run right. this volume that uh, I, I can't figure him out is is he there's did a he lot. just get called up is he a vi- yeah. is he the villain there's a, we're going to talk quite a bit about that when we get to episode seven because there's a line in episode seven that i think really hits home for who brenner is as well as for l as well but uh you know they i think he honestly cares about l i think he cares about these children but i also think he cares about producing weapons as well for these children uh you know and he is the most complicated character on this show because Mm -hmm. we he has always been portrayed as a villain and now they're giving us some different views on him uh and like i said it i still don't know what to make of him uh i don't trust him uh even though I think they're trying to make us trust him a little bit more, but just the way that they have brought his character back into this, the way that they are bringing this back with this whole Nina thing. Uh, and look, the explanation, what Matthew Modine is doing really well in this is every time he has to explain something about this, you know, this opera that 
Nina got its inspiration from where she lost this memory that uh, her lover had died or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the, the opera was, but uh, he, she kept going back looking for him and never would, he would never show up. And that's because he, she didn't have that memory anymore. And this is what the, this is what they're setting up for L because the next time we see L is in a memory from when she was at Hawkins yeah. lab. And, and I believe they also say the word Vision Quest, which was a wrestling movie that Matthew Modine <laughs> was in in the 80s. I was like, I know what you're doing with that Easter egg. Okay, I didn't catch that. Great, so great movie. Great movie. Vision Quest. I actually watched it last year and actually enjoyed it. I, I, I'll have to go back and check that out. Is it nowhere streaming anywhere? Or is it, I'll, I'll have out. to look that up while we're okay. talking. But go All ahead. Right, that's fine. Uh, but like I said, his character is interesting. It's, you know, I don't really know what to make of him. Uh, Dr. Owens, it surprises me that she that he brought her here, but I kind of get the feeling from Dr. Owens, uh, played by uh, Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser. Uh, that he is basically, you know, I don't want to bring her to Dr. Brenner. I think it's it's bad to bring her to Dr. Brenner, but we've got to get her powers back, and he can't do it, but Dr. Brenner can, so he's he's kind of making that deal with the devil kind of thing. I think that's kind of what he's, he's doing here, because I, I think Dr. Owens is a good guy, but he's yeah. in a he's in a tough situation. Doesn't know what else to do. Yeah, I was to mention. So it's not streaming right now. You have to rent it. It was on Netflix. That's when I called it last year. Sure. It's, it's okay. about wrestling. It's it's really good. But uh, Owens, Paul Reiser, and I missed this in in episode three. His big scene was in a diner. His first movie right. was an '80s movie called Diner, which is a fantastic oh, movie. You're right with with Paul Reiser, Tim uh, Tim. Daily, Kevin Bacon, Mickey Rourke, it's where all those people became famous. Okay. And then the character, how he's playing this and how you can't tell, it's like his character in Aliens, where he oh, yeah. was a doctor and a guy that worked for a corporation. He ends up being a villain. Right. So they're also kind of playing him the same way here. So I love how the Duffer brothers just love these movies and love putting these Easter eggs out. Yeah. It's all uh, so. Well, we get our introduction into, uh, let's see, let me pull up his character's name because I never can remember it. Uh, uh, what was his character's name? The, the model-looking kid who was the orderly. Uh, I think they called him Philip. Philip, you're right. It's Philip. So we get Philip. Uh, I'm trying to find, I had it pulled up and I've lost it. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where he is. What was his name? It's something... He's got three names, and he's a, he's yeah. a and he's a he's a, basically a model, is what he is. Um, Jamie Jamie Campbell Brower. Thank but you. Also, uh, he has been a villain in a lot of things. Oh, that's including this is the first time I've seen him. Uh, He has been in Twilight, and uh, let's see what else. He's been he's been a villain some stuff. So when people saw him, they were like, "Okay, here's the bad." Oh, he was young uh, Grindelwald in Fantastic Beasts. Okay. And then he was a bad guy in Twilight. He's been a bad guy. He was young Gilbert Grindelwald in the Harry Potter series. So when people saw him, they were like, "Uh uh-oh. We know this guy's not going to be, especially the part he was playing. Right. uh, You know, where he was acting like he was the good guy. Even people were like, "Uh, I can see where this is going. Okay, so were were you thinking that when you saw it? No, I was not. I didn't reckon. I'd seen him before, but I couldn't remember what he was from. And I I watched one of the Twilight movies. I don't remember. And I was forty years old or close to <laughs> when I watched Harry Potter. So right. my memory of those movies is very little. 
Okay, I, I I don't remember him from Harry Potter, but he looks like a Harry Potter actor. Uh, yeah, he does. I, I don't yeah. really know how else to describe him except for that. He looks like a Harry Potter actor. So I didn't know what they were doing with him, but they were obviously making him as kind of the the confidant for for, for L. Uh, and he's helping her throughout the course of this. And I, you know, I wasn't really sure. I felt like there was more to him than what they were letting on, but I wasn't yeah. sure that if they were going to make him a good guy, a bad guy. And obviously they reveal what they're going to do with him later on in episode seven. We'll talk about that when we get to that episode. Yeah. Anytime there's an orderly or something like him, that's been utterly friendly like that. That's it's usually, that's a trope. There, it's yeah, usually it like, there's more to this character that right. you're going to find out. And so obviously L is, you know, she needs somebody to trust him because when, when they're going through these memories, and this is basically what Dr. Brenner sets up, is that to get her powers back, she's going to have to walk through a lot of memories from 1979 because this is all back in reference to that moment that we saw at the beginning of the season where all these people are in the rainbow room and they're all dead and L's there with her bleeding eyes. And they're leading her back to this memory is what they're, is what they're, you can tell very quickly what they're yeah, doing. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be a painful process because apparently there's a lot that she doesn't remember and there's a lot that she's going to have to remember to get her powers back. And they explained this to her in basically uh, Philip. When Philip explains to her, you know, number one was here. And Elle says, well, number one doesn't exist according to Papa. And uh, he's like, uh, he's like, well, let me tell you something about Papa. Papa doesn't always tell the truth. And that's believable based yeah, off of what yeah. we've seen. Uh, so Papa doesn't always tell the truth. Uh, he says, number one was very powerful. And he was reminds, L reminds him a lot of, uh, of number one. And he says, you know, he used memories that make him both sad and angry at the same time to really unlock his power. And this is when this whole, when he's testing their powers, he has this showdown with number, he has number two and all the other kids standing in these circles and they have to like push each other away. And Elle ends up doing it by doing exactly what Philip tells her to do. But this is embarrasses number two, who is supposedly like the strongest of them all at this point. Yeah. And it becomes a problem because then we kind of see just why she reacts so violently to the bullying in the first three episodes. We start to see it in these episodes because she was bullied in the Hawkins lab. So wherever she's been, she's been bullied. Right. And what a bizarre scene so two takes out a kid his own age yes. and then fights like a four-year-old right mm -hmm. i was like is this some kind of bizarre internet kid fighting that's going to be big <laughs> you know, in a few years or something well it gives us more about dr brenner as well so it does it does yeah it tells us you know he, he he is willing to go to whatever lengths he needs to go to to try to get whatever he's getting whatever he wants from these kids he's trying his he, he will stop at nothing to get these kids to realize their full potential and you know whoever he thinks is the strongest uh that's how he wants to get them out and so that's what they're working towards uh and philip is just constantly there for her but she's getting bullied uh and it, it gets to the point where they meet her in the rainbow room all the cameras are off and they don't really know why the cameras are off but they they just absolutely beat her up using their mind powers that they have just an absolutely tough scene to watch uh when they're when those four kids are just absolutely just beating on her and like i said they don't even touch her but they use their their telekinesis powers or whatever they are to just beat her to a pulp basically uh yeah. and just a really tough thing to watch and then when we find out in episode seven what makes it even tougher but nevertheless we'll talk about that when we get to that point but just a really good episode that is uh, the uh, part of these episodes that's allowing us to see 
what she went through. And we get a glimpse of her powers back because at the end of episode five, she is trying to run away. She, she gets herself free. And when the guards come to her, she, for a brief moment, lets her powers go. And Dr. Brenner comes running to her and she reaches out her hand to try to, to do the same thing to him, but she can't do it. And Dr. Brenner tells her, you didn't think it'd be that easy, did you? And he tells her yeah. at this point, he says, you trusted me once, please trust me again. And she willingly goes. So at this point, she's there willingly. Look, I don't know if he would have allowed her to leave because he, he's trying to insinuate yeah. that if she wants to leave, she can, but I don't know if she, if he would have let her, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he would have let her. Also, I want to mention that what also helps Philip's case with Eleven she sees him getting beat a couple of times, mm -hmm. punished for the yes, for him for talking too much mm -hmm. and for helping her. So that's making her feel even more for him, which leads to even more. Yeah. So, like I said, the we're getting a lot of, of things that we didn't know about L because we all we've known about L is what we've seen since season one, which isn't much. I mean, we kind of get some glimpses to her past, but not a whole lot. But we're finally getting this in this in this season and uh, we get even more of it obviously in episode seven uh but you know they're setting up a lot by the time we get to the end of episode six where they're going to you can tell at the end of episode six a lot of pieces have been put into place and where they're going to take it with episode seven and now where they're going to go with it in episode eight nine i don't know but uh like i said i like what they did with this storyline i like to do with this with the character of l introducing philip making you wonder who he is, what he's doing, bringing Dr. Brenner back and giving us, you know, kind of making us doubt what, what we thought about him. You know, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? What is he in general? So I love what they've done with the storyline. I don't like the fact that Elle's not with her friends, but I think they're doing that. What they're doing is, is working. Yeah. I was going to say, despite her not being there which is always kind of always fun to see her with the with the rest of the crew at least her storyline is entertaining and we're learning a lot right mm -hmm. i agree with that completely so all right so that takes us to my favorite part and i think the part that is yeah. completely driving this entire this entire season so far is the hawkins storyline so episode four like i said at the beginning of this episode it might be one of the best episodes of television I have ever seen. And the reason that this episode works so well is because of Max's character, Sadie Singh's character, Max. She is incredible in episode yeah. four. She is. And we, we talked a lot about her and the previous episodes because she was starting to really shine and, and kind of stand out in the first three episodes. Well, she completely takes over uh, this episode and spoiler you can kind of guess who's going to be the mvp of this one <laughs> yeah she's just absolutely fantastic in this and you know at the end of episode three we we start to find out that she's going she's having some of the same issues that the previous people who were killed by vecna uh she's starting to have some of those same issues she has trauma she has um she's been seeing visions of things she's been seeing this clock so we start to, we start to find this stuff out about her and this is you know at this point where they realize that she's only got about 24 hours until Vecna's final whatever it is that he does is going to finally take effect and is eventually going to take her life uh, so they're basically at this point trying to race the clock to find some way to save her from this so uh what they do end up doing is that we learn more about Victor Creel uh the, the 
two girls, Robin and uh, what's her name? Uh, Nancy. Nancy. Robin and Nancy. They go off to the psych ward and they they basically pretend to be 19 year old 3.9 GPA psych students so they can <laughs> so they can talk to Victor Creel. But Robin is the one that sells it because she she hates being in that dress. She hates being in those yes, shoes. And, it's itchy. Yeah, and the way that she just her desperation in talking to the the guy in charge of the, the psych institute was just absolutely fantastic. It was, and that was the one time she really looked like her mom. When she yeah, was she did. like just the way she was. I actually saw a picture of that scene and a picture of her mom screaming when she was young, and, and they look a lot alike. Her mom yeah, is they, Uma Thurman. Let me just say that her father is Ethan Hawke. I think we right. talked about this before, but. Uh, she looks a lot. She looked a lot like Uma Thurman because her piercing eyes and that scene really stood out. And she was really making that doctor feel bad. Yeah, she was. And so, like I said, just fantastic that they're doing this while they're doing that. Uh, look, one of the things I'm, I'm going to go ahead and mention it here. When this show for when the season four first debuted on Netflix, not long, probably like a day later, one of the like there were a ton of articles about dear billy and that was i didn't realize what they were talking about because i didn't read anything because i didn't want anything to be spoiled but they're talking that's the name of this episode is dear billy so when i started this and i saw that dear billy was going to be the was the name of this episode oh i better buckle in (laughs) yeah (laughs) because it's because there was a lot written about this particular episode uh but what she does is she writes all these letters to all these people because she thinks she's about to die uh so she writes letters to her mom her, her family uh, to all of her friends and you know she doesn't want them to open it until until after she actually ends up dying um but so they're going around they're trying to write these letters they're giving them uh she gives them to all the people and then she as she's hugging her mother Vecna shows up for one of these for like the next to last time that he's going to see her before he eventually kills her uh and this is when after she has this confrontation with Vecna uh she wants to go to Billy's grave and I love this scene because you kind of forget that it's been so long since we've had a Netflix, a uh, Stranger Things season that they hated each other. The, the two right, of them did right. not like each other. And yeah. so she reads the letter that she writes to Billy because obviously Billy's not there to read it himself. So she reads it to him. And this is what just, you know, this is this performance is what's really this part of the performance is what is making her performance just so incredibly special. She's reading this letter, you know, I know we hated each other, but, you know, the fact that, you know, she saw that they might could have maybe made up at some point, they could have put this stuff behind them and they could have been good brothers, uh, stepbrothers and stepsisters. And, you know, once he died, his dad left her mom and they're stuck in this trailer. Just this really incredibly emotional stuff. Uh, Just like I said, Sadie Sink found something in this episode that I didn't realize that we had from her. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, she mentioned they were robbed of Billy had saved her right. at the end of three, and they never got a chance to maybe that would have changed things for those right. two. And they and, never got that. So and they never get that. So uh all that's going on. And finally, Nancy and Robin, they go down to talk to Victor Creel, and Victor Creel is revealed to be Robert England. Awesome. Freddy Krueger himself, and I mentioned this in when we talked about the first three episodes. 
this has a serious Freddy Krueger vibe. So to get him yeah. into to get him into this season was just absolutely fantastic. And apparently, Robert England has been like begging the Duffer Brothers for a role in this show ever since they started. Wow. Well, they well they delivered a perfect role, and I love how there was all this stuff about dreams and, mm-hmm. and you know and dream a dream dream a little dream was his song, and there was other stuff about dreams. And then you like you said, you see Freddy Krueger himself right. standing there. You're like. We, it was obvious. It was right there. It was obvious. It was right there all the time. Uh, but he basically reveals to them that, you know, his family, the uh, what happened to his family, he gets blamed for it, uh, that everything that has been happening in Hawkins happened to his family back in the 50s or whenever it was. I think it was the 50s. I think it's uh, the 50s, yeah. So all that was happening back then, too. Uh, but he gets blamed for it. And, you know, he tells them about, you know, all these memories that he's being haunted by. Uh he tells, you know, that his daughter loved the house, but his son thought there was something weird about the house, which should tell us something. <laughs> uh, but it yeah. didn't tell me anything. I didn't catch it. Uh, but his wife ends up getting killed first and on that one night when it finally all comes to fruition. Uh, he, he gets attacked and he says he hears the voice of an angel that brings him out. And that's when you hear uh, dream a little dream with me. Uh, but when he awakens, his son is passed out. He's in a coma. His daughter is dead and he gets arrested and he gets sent to prison for killing his family, even though he obviously didn't do it. Uh, so he, and he ended up taking his own eyes. If people don't remember that, that it wasn't uh, Vecna that took his eyes. It was himself that took his own eyes as a way to try to kill himself. Uh, but the doctor ended up stopping him bleeding. But just we don't get a lot. This is all we get a victory. I'm pretty sure it's all we're going to get. But Robert, I England think played. so. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was he was he was really great. It was it's always good to see him whenever he pops up in something. Yeah. So at this point, the two girls they have been discovered by the guy who's running the psych institution, uh, and he's about to take them to, to the police. They end up shedding their shoes. They run off, and as they're running off, they realize uh, it's all of a sudden the uh, last stage of Vecna's attack on Max is starting to take place. Uh, and this is when I, was it Robin or Nancy that Rob, the, Robin figures it out? Yeah. Okay. So so Robin figures out it's music that brought Victor Creel back from that moment when he's about to die. That was music that brought him back. So they're like, uh, so when Dustin is gets on the radio and he's constantly calling up them, have you found anything? Have you found anything? They finally get their radio. They tell him it's music. You got to use music to get her back. Uh, so yeah, kudos to look little things that you don't think about. These kids don't know what a tape is. They don't know what a Walkman is. Right. <laughs> so, like, the, to make it look like where they know exactly how to work, they had to probably be trained how to work a Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Uh, so, I mean, so they do it really good. I mean, they pop the tape in. So they take the, the tapes to Lucas and they're like, which is your favorite song? Which is your favorite song? Because Vecna has her in her grasp, in his grasp. He's about to kill her. Uh, but she takes a little bit of a, she does something unexpected for Vecna. He, she goes to basically like his mental hideout. I don't really know what else to call it. Uh, where all these images of the things that we, she's been seeing, the clock, uh, the parts of the house, all this stuff stuff is floating around. You obviously know that's going to come up, play a part later on. You don't know what it is, but they eventually do tell you. Uh, uh, but when she gets to this, the corpses of, or the bodies of the people that he's already killed are like wrapped up in these pillars. Uh, and she sees that. And that's when her body shoots up in the air. So you got so much going on and she's having this confrontation with Vecna and that she's talking to him. 
she's scared to death, but that's when she looks to her right. And that's when you hear the music running up that hill by Kate Bush. Is it? It's Kate Bush, right? Yep. Kate Bush. Yep. Whose song has just exploded in popularity. Yes. Yes. Good for her. Uh, so she, she hears running up that hill and she sees her friends because it's not, it's the song is what triggers her to look away and to get her out of the trance, but it's her a love of her friends and their relationship that frees her from the, the trend, the claws of Vecna. That's what it actually frees her is, and it's not the music. Yeah. It's just what the music triggers her ability to get out. Uh, and you see her having all these memories, the fun times we have. Right. We also forget that, you know, 11 and her had a really good relationship. They, they did. Were, they had a wonderful, they were really good, re- really good buddies in the last season. So yeah, all those memories and the song and uh, she, she starts running and uh, she's running up, man, that, hill. As, what, as, running up that hill. And what, 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 a, what a move. And this is kind of what we talked about. And we talked about Obi-Wan in our last podcast. We talked about how, you know, there's a lot of, you know, tension is taken away from some of those scenes because it's a prequel. You know what's going to happen to Obi-Wan. You know what's going to happen to Leia. They haven't killed off a major character for the most part in this show. We thought they did it to, yeah. to Hopper, but obviously he's still alive. The closest thing they've done to killing off a major character is Billy. They haven't yeah. done that with any of So, you know, I, I feel like one of these kids is going to have to die at some point before the show is over. Uh, I think you may be right. And so at this point, I'm, I was truly wondering, I wasn't sure she was going to make it at this point. I, you know, yeah. And they had that poor part where like the music cuts, the picture cuts, and for like two seconds, but it feels like eternity. It's just black. There's no sound. You don't know if she makes it out. And then finally they come to the screen. She, she pops open, she pops awake, she falls to the ground. And you realize that she's safe. And like I said, when I watched that, that yeah. episode, I was like, oh man, it, it was, it was stressful. <laughs> it was. And like you said, it went dark, you know, it, it felt is. like eternity. Yeah. And they did a really, really good job. And man, the Kate Bush song was just perfect running up that hill. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a song I wasn't a huge fan of, or really, I, I don't knew even, it. I never heard it. I'm sure I probably yeah. had, but I don't remember it. Yeah, and I want to say I saw some memes from some people in their fifties, like calling kids out. Well, I listened to Kate Bush before. Right, uh, Stranger Things. Shut up! <laughs> I had never, never had any excuse to listen uh, to Kate Bush before. Then. I had never heard Bohemian Rhapsody until I was fourteen years old when Wayne's World. Exactly. That's I exactly. love that song since then. So right. shut up if you're giving kids a hard time since they hadn't heard a song from 1985. Exactly. It wasn't a it wasn't even a top 10 hit in the U.S. I'm sorry. I'm going off on the <laughs> I just hate when we, I, I mean, there's so, there's so many reasons to be mad at the youth of today, but that's not, that's one, not of one of them. People. That's not one of them, no. Uh, so, you know, like I said, Sadie Sink is, is just absolutely phenomenal in this episode. And honestly, I kind of hate it because like, they don't give her a whole lot to do in episode five and six. Uh well, she has a really good scene in episode six uh, that we'll bring up at a few yeah, minutes. Yeah, she does. Uh, we'll talk about that when, when we get to that. But uh, so that's, you know, you're relieved that she, that she survives. But we kind of, they episode five just jumps right back to it. We talked about some of the stuff that happened in episode five with Hopper and all that type of stuff. But uh, the kids at this point are trying to figure out, you know, where, what's going on here? Well, how do we, how do we get to Vecna? Uh, what are we going to do? And they also got to save Eddie because Eddie is still yeah. in the boathouse at this point. Uh, and when all, a lot of this stuff is going on, they don't really know where he is. Uh, so they track him down to, is this when they track him down to, at the Lover's Rock? 
Or, yes, yes. Okay, because so, yep. uh, well, no, has, no, no, no. Well, Eddie in episode five has the scene where that's right. Okay. The, the the guys, the the kid, the the, the the athletes, the basketball players, they track him. Down. Yeah, they okay. track. Which let me just here was another dumb scene. I think it's in episode five where they have that town hall about how dangerous Dungeons and Dragons is. Yeah. And Jason grabs the microphone and starts talking. What town hall is going to yeah. let a 17 year old yeah, start talking and talking about I, when I saw that scene, I was like, what are yeah, that's a, that's episode. That's an episode six because the reason what oh, leads to a, that. Yeah. That's an episode six. Because what leads to that is uh, I don't remember the, the basketball player. Patrick. Patrick. His name was Patrick. Okay. So once they track Eddie down, Patrick, oh, has, yeah. been, Patrick has been going through, the same stuff that Max is going through, same stuff that all the other victims of Vecna have gone through. He is experiencing these visions, and Vecna finally gets him when they're swimming out because they they when they finally track him down at this house, uh, Eddie gets in the boat and he starts paddling out on Lover's Lake, and they start swimming after him. I, mean, I will say those guys can swim. <laughs> yeah, they could. Yeah, <laughs> like, like my goodness, so there's no way if somebody was in a boat with the oars, I'd be able to catch up to them swimming. No way on God's green earth no, that was going to happen. No. Uh, but in the process, this is when Vecna gets a hold of him. He drags him down to the bottom of the water, and then he throws him up in the air like he's done everybody else. Breaks all of his bones, and it freaks Eddie and Jason out, obviously, because uh, they've never seen anything like this in their entire life. And this is when. Eddie think just this is when Eddie, who had quoted a Bible verse in his speech at the pep rally, goes into the full satanic panic stuff. Uh, yeah. he, he Jason, believes, Jason, yes, thank you, Jason. Jason goes into full satanic panic. He feels like Eddie is completely possessed by Satan. He feels like he is completely uh, overrun with Satan. Uh, and Eddie, though he escapes, he he. This is when he goes. This is when he goes to that rock. Uh, that's how, how he yeah, ends up. Yeah. That's how he ends up going there, and that's where they track him down. Because uh, at this point, the they don't know where he is, and he they finally get his radio to actually contact him. Uh, and they're having to look for him, and the compass isn't working. And this was a. I had totally forgotten about this. This is a callback to I think the the first season, yeah. When there was a compass that they were using to, to try to track something down, and as it got close to a gate, it just acted just absolutely haywire. So you know, kudos for them to call on that back. I'd forgotten about it. Right, and that was a great scene because Steve knew exactly where Lovers right. Rock was because he invented it. <laughs> he invented it out, exactly. Invented it, and then him and Dustin fight over no no it's not here and then dustin uh tells him well i was actually right right and that's when steve goes you might want to learn a little humility and i I do need to forget we we skipped over the fact they go to victor creel's house because this is when when max the next day is, is is coloring her sheets with uh one of mike's sisters She's coloring those sheets, and she, uh, Nancy realizes that one of the things that she drew, drew was the door to Victor Creel's house. So they go to the house, and they, they're investigating, and just real creepy vibes throughout this. There's that scene with the spider, and I hate spiders. So yeah. I, I'm always I'm always with Steve about freaking out about spiders. Uh, that Black Widow crawls on him that he kind of freed from uh, the stasis that he was in in that, in that jar. Uh but they also realize that there's a light there and that 
this is this, they remember that this is how Will communicated in in season one. Uh, he used those Christmas lights to communicate to them, uh, and they see the lights. And this is going to play a big, obviously, a really big deal in episode seven. But they they track where Vegna actually is by following the light around. Uh, they turn off their flashlights, and you know, the, when they start coming on their own, just really creepy. Uh, you know, hair standing on end type stuff that's going on in the scene, and that's when they get the call from Eddie that he's been uh, he's been found. They have yeah. to go find him. Uh, but they're so they end up. That's at least to the scene you just mentioned about the town hall, where Jason takes over and he whips the town into a frenzy. And not only does he go after Eddie, but he has the yearbook picture of the Hellfire Club, and he. You know, now they're all on their target because Mike's part of that. Will's a part of it. Lucas. Now they they discovered that Lucas is one is not really one of their friends because he's actually part of this. Uh, you know, Dustin's in it. They're all in it, so they all have targets on their backs at this point, and they're going to take matters into their own hands. And this is going to be, look. They haven't played this out completely in this season. I'm sure it's going to play a bigger role in episode eight and nine, but. This is probably going to be a bigger issue once we get to those episodes, but these... yeah, because those guys kind of disappear after this. Thank God, I, I yes, kind of had had enough of them. But this was when we kind of see the Wheeler parents and Lucas's parents, and they're like, "Our kids aren't Satanists; they're nerds." Right, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Though I did love the line. I don't remember exactly what it was that his her dad said uh, that Mike's dad said uh, something like, "I don't remember," and like he. Uh, his wife says, "Our kids aren't killers; they're they're, they're just kids." And he's like, oh, "You always take everything out of the context, or something like yeah, that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. He was great. Yeah, uh, Mr. Wheeler, just uh, just that horrible, uh, smart aleck dad that yes, just exactly. has no clue what's going on. He plays that role well. Yeah. And uh, Miss Wheeler, how you doing? <laughs> she, she, is she was all mad man she's a, she's quite a uh everyone loves her i think her name is uh carla bueno yeah bueno that's that's her yeah. name uh but so the police they go to they go to uh mike's house and they interview all the kids they start with <laughs> they start with max and the the deputy i don't remember what his name was but yeah. he, when he comes back to the room we shouldn't have started with her because she's mean <laughs> yeah that was hilarious <laughs> I just love uh, that. That was absolutely fantastic. And uh, finally, we're getting more Erica, which was good. Yes, because uh, Erica is, was really good in those first three episodes. I mean, we get a, yeah. lot, a lot more of her in these last few episodes. So they're in, they're interrogating her. Uh, they're interrogating uh, all the kids, and that's going to play a bigger part in episode seven. So we'll get to we'll talk more about that when we get to episode seven. Uh, but basically, at the what the, how this ends is they've tracked this gate down to Lovers Lake, uh, and when they get to Lovers Lake. The four older kids, uh, which are all like nearly 30 years old in real life, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, they go, they take the boat out and they find the spot where they are supposed to be and where this gate is, as and Dustin eventually calls it Watergate, <laughs> as he's so <laughs> prone to do. Uh, they find the gate. Steve, who is, you know, he they give him a chance to take his shirt off. So he takes his shirt off to go swim to the bottom of the lake. And kudos for him to be able to hold his breath for like four minutes. <laughs> kudos to that chest hair. My goodness. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, but that was an 80s thing. I mean, everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. wanted chest hair back then. Now everybody thinks it's wow. like nowadays. But yeah. Uh, but he swims to the bottom. He finds the gate. And like an idiot, he taps it. Yes. And that's what awakens whatever is behind it. So he swings back up. And when he swings back up the top, 
whatever was in there grabs him, pulls him through the gate. And this is one of the things I love because they've always called this the upside down. But I've always been like, why is it the upside down? When he pulls through the gate, it is actually upside down because he comes through the bottom, but he goes up through the top. And they do Mm -hmm. this visually a lot in episode seven. Like, okay, well, now the upside down makes sense because they've called it upside down since the season one when they talked to their science teacher. Uh, but I've never really understood the name of it, but that actually, they made it look like an upside down. Uh, but when he's cast into it, these demon, demon bats start coming to him. They start biting him. They start taking chunks of flesh out of him. And this is where episode six ends. <laughs> I mean, yeah. attacked. Uh, and we're like, and like I said, when I started watching this, I was like, yep, I'm definitely finishing it now. Right. And thank God they didn't end this one before, you know, if this, this had been the end of volume one. People, right. And I'm going to tell you, Duffer Brothers, if y'all kill Steve before season five, people are going to right. be irate. Because I'm going to tell you the 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 people that I see the most about Steve is one mm-hmm. uh, and he may be two. And then Max and Dustin are the most popular characters on the show now. And L- L11 is still is too, but yeah. like Steve is Steve and Eddie are one too. And like people would be livid, especially if he dies before the, the, the next season. Yeah. I, I don't think they'll kill him. I, I don't. I, I think, would be shot. Yeah. I think, I think he's too okay. good of a character. Yeah. I mean, they would, they would, Props to Joe Keery. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, they would miss a lot if he was not. A, he he would be a huge loss. Who would have ever saw that coming in season one that he's as big big of a part right. of this and as charismatic as David Harbour, you know, right right on board with him that, mm-hmm. you know, what a loss he would be. Yeah, it would be an absolutely devastating loss to the show if they did. So I don't think they're going to do that. And I think yeah. – I think they found something in season two with him and Dustin. Uh, and yeah. I think it's, uh, I, I, re- I mean, look, that, that just elevated his career. He's he, Joe Curie is going yeah. to have a great career in Hollywood yeah. because of yeah. season two of the show and because of his relationship with Dustin. And I, yeah. I, as much as I hate it, uh, the kid who plays Dustin's name is always forget his name. Let me pull that. Got, uh, it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. It is. He's Gaten. Gaten, Gaten Matarazzo. Uh, yeah, he's got some speech impediment issues yeah. uh, i think it's always going to hold him back but i mean it's his relationship with with steve played by joe carey is like i said that's what's going to make joe carey a, a star uh, he's yeah. not quite uh, there yet but he's, he's going to be right um, uh but yeah, that's where it leaves off and that's when i knew i was like i want to have to go watch episode seven and look episode seven is huge i mean look when yeah. we talk about episode seven i don't think it's the best episode i think episode four is but it's probably easily the most important episode in terms of everything they give us. So that's right. why I wanted to break it up into uh, another yeah. episode of the podcast. So uh, I guess that kind of ends our discussion of the episodes four through six. Anything else we need to talk about? No, I think we're good on the, uh, on the awards. All right, then let's move on to it. So up first is our Tyrion Lannister, the MVP of the week. So who is your MVP of episodes four through six of Stranger Things season four? I'm still doing Sadie Sink. I know she didn't have as big a part in five and six, but she mm. still did because her and Lucas got back together, uh, right. which was great. And then uh, the scene of the chest hair uh, <laughs> where, where she is staring quite a bit. And she was like, hand me the binoculars. And right, exactly. A very long stare at uh, Steve's chest hair. So that right. was that was uh, quite a really good scene. Sadie Sink, uh, 
really, I, I can't imagine her career is going to slow down after this. Yeah, it's uh, you're, you're correct. I mean, her performance in episode four, even though she doesn't have much to do in episode five and six, it, 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 she becomes the MVP. I mean, just, like I said, it's one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. And the reason it's one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen is because of her performance in this. And it was and, just phenomenal. And one more thing, she made Lucas more likable and five and, and that was strictly on her. Yeah, it was. It was completely on her. So, uh, all right. So next is the best scene, which is our Agatha all along. What is your Agatha all along? The best scene from the I mean, it's got to be running up that hill. Yeah, it is. It, it is. It's hundred percent that. Because I mean, it's like I said when we talked about it. You know, I I was stressed out after yeah. that scene finally came oh. to the end. So, so what song would you use if they had to to get you? Oh, good grief! That is a good question. Uh, do you know yours? Because I haven't thought about mine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go, mine yours? is a song by the Killers called "My Own Soul's Warning." It came out like in 2020. Uh, it was at a point where. I was just kind of depressed because of the pandemic and everything. And that mm-hmm. album came out It's and it's like starts out slow and it starts rocking. And uh, man, I love that song. It makes me want to start like pumping my fist and getting into it. So my own soul's warning by the killers would be my song. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite songs ever is piano man by Billy Joel. Uh, That's a good one. Cause it's long too. Yeah. It's long too. <laughs> it's like five and a half minute one. Uh, so I probably have to say that cause I, I love piano man. I, it's I great could, song. I could Absolutely. Sing it. Any day that, that, that was one of the covers Garth Brooks did this piano. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, cool. I, I, I would love yeah. to see that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's one I would probably have to go with. All right. Uh, best line of the week is the, uh, if you come with the king, you best not miss. What is your best line of the week? It involves Steve's chest hair again. <laughs> uh, it was Lucas that says, when did Steve get so hairy? And Dustin says, right, I keep telling him he needs to tame that jungle, but he claims the ladies love it. Oh, the ladies dig it. And that's what, that's what Max says. Let me see. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so good. good that, that's some good ones. Uh, I went with the one I actually mentioned earlier is the one about uh, Papa doesn't always tell the truth uh, yeah, that, that, that we got good. from Philip because, uh, like I said, I think it just – it just made me more interested in Dr. Brenner. Uh, and we find out even more about him in episode seven, which we'll talk about when we record it. So uh, I well, like I that. I say special shout out to Dustin and Eddie's Mordor, Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, I had forgotten about that. That, that was a good one. Oh, that, I think that is my, my new one. I'd forgotten about it. I had totally forgotten about that because I love Lord of the Rings. And when he mentioned yeah. going to Mordor, I was like, oh, the Shire yeah, needs me. Yeah. And then and Steve was like, what's Mordor? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, great, obviously, in the 80s, scene. not everybody read Lord of the Rings right, and The right. Hobbit, but in today's society, most people know what they're talking about. Yeah. So uh, I just love the way that Steve was like, what in the world is Mordor? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I love that. I love that line. That's going to be my new favorite line this week. So, all right. Uh, all right. So this is our second episode of the week. We don't do uh, recommendations. Oh, we didn't do our ratings. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so. This is not our final rating. We still have three more episodes to go before we can give this final rating, but we do want to rate where we are currently with this. So at the top of our rating system is Game of Thrones. Underneath it is a Lost. Middle of the road for us is Full House. Not Full House, I'm sorry, Friends. Beneath Friends is Full House. And at the bottom of the barrel is Baywatch. So where we both had it at Lost after the first three episodes. Where are you with it after the first six episodes? So this was where... Uh just remembered how much i really really love the show game of thrones yeah i'm the same way i've we 
when you don't have a show for three years, you kind of forget just what it means to you. And if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me, you've heard me talk about how game, uh, Stranger Things is what really got me hooked into streaming television. And these four, these three episodes reminded me just how great this show is, how much I love this show. It, it, it's, it's that it's Game of Thrones. It's, it's a Stranger Things is a Game of Thrones show for me. And this season found its Game of Thrones in these three, and we'll talk about episode seven as well, but in these four episodes, just phenomenal television. I mean, I was concerned with the runtimes, but they are making it work. (laughs) They are absolutely making it work. All right. So uh, anything else you want to add before we head off? I don't know. Uh, Just, oh yeah. yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I was going to mention looking forward to things we're looking forward to i was gonna mention one show it's on amc it starts tonight it's called dark winds it Ooh, stars uh zane mclaren you would reckon he's a native american actor it's been a lot of stuff reservation dogs dr sleep uh you would seen him fargo longmire just a when you see what westworld uh okay. it is about he stars as a sheriff in a town it looks like in arizona and there is a murder and it, uh, it also has to make him, he's Native American, so he has to look back at his heritage to solve mm-hmm. this murder. There's two murders. And so it looks like it's it's another, another uh, murder mystery show that looks like it could be a little intense, but also have some humor because uh, Rain Wilson is also in this. Oh, okay, so cool. we know he's going to. So it's on AMC. And anytime, man, stuff with Native Americans, especially when they get their chance to shine. I loved Reservation Dogs on FX Hulu last year. It was a comedy. Zay McLaren was in that as well. So anytime they get, because the stuff's just interesting, I just don't know about that right. stuff we did. The, we did a horrible job of teaching us about them. And so any, yes. anything involving them, I'm always interested. And I love Zay McLaren and the fact that he's number one on the call sheet, I'm, I will be watching. So that's my recommendation, recommendation, Dark Winds on, uh, it's a, well, I'll be looking forward to Dark, Wind, Dark Winds on AMC. Uh, I've got two things I'm looking forward to. Uh, my daughter and I are going to go see Lightyear on Friday when it comes out. Oh, fun. Uh, so we'll go see it. I don't really think she cares anything about Buzz Lightyear. There's a, there's, she loves cats and there's this like robot cat in it. <laughs> so I think that's really all she really uh, cares to say about, but you know what? Hey, that, that's, that's fine. We'll go watch it. And uh, like I said, I, I'm interested in the Buzz Lightyear story because I love Toy Story. Uh, so, uh, so I'm like, hey, if you want to go see it, I'll take you to it. So we'll, we'll be going to watch that on Friday. Uh, I saw the tra- trailer for Black Adam. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this movie actually is when it comes out. I think it's, yeah. been, it's been delayed. Look, The Rock has fought for years to have this movie made and to play Black Adam, which is interesting to me because Black Adam's really been, he's, he has some anti-hero moments, but he's really more of a villain for Shazam. Uh, so like, it looks good, but like I said, I, I I'm really interested to see what this movie actually is when it eventually when it does come out. But the, the trailer looks interesting, and the trailer looks like it's fun. So, uh, yeah, the the rock is fun, and so like I said, the I'll rock is always great. So we'll I'll just have to wait and see. But uh, like I said, he he has fought for years to have this film made and to play this role. I don't really know why he likes it so much, but he does. So uh, kudos to him for getting it done, and it's finally going to come out because it's been in the works for a while. So. All right, anything else we want to add? Appreciate everyone joining us and we'll talk to you next time.
And that next time will be in a couple of days because we're about to record our last episode of the week. Uh, we're doing three this week because, we, like I said, I really felt like we needed to break uh, Stranger Things down into two episodes with episode seven being as long as it is. So we're about to, we're going to record it, but you'll hear from us in a couple of days. So appreciate you guys listening. And as always, until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.